Hello, everyone, and welcome. This is Janice Alpert, where we talk about how people find their purpose, are they living their life with purpose? And I'm always excited about all my guests. So today is no exception. So besides being an incredibly accomplished woman, which I'm going to let her tell you her own story, she also happens to be my dear cousin. And her name is Andrea Ellescu. Hi, Andrea. Hi, Janice. Nice to see you. And you. Yes, because we don't live in the same state, so we don't really see each other very often. So why don't you just start telling the listeners a little bit about your growing up, which I know some of, of course, because I was there right with you, and then kind of just your story. I think you and I are very lucky because we grew up with a family where our role models are mothers and fathers. Your father and my mother, they really taught us by example, how to love and how to give and how to share and, and that you cared so deeply and it seems so natural. hundred percent. Yeah. I didn't know what that meant when we were children. I just knew that every weekend I saw my cousins. Exactly. And we always, we all lived. So there was all together, how many cousins? There was like a lot of us. Six um, and four and and three. Three, right. And six. Oh, so we had, we had a big family and every weekend we were doing something with the cousins almost every weekend. And the siblings, like my cousin was saying, were very close. They didn't exactly come from the most stellar childhood. So that actually helped them be even closer as adults. And therefore we as cousins um, as well. But again, like Andrea saying, we didn't know that this wasn't like the normal. We thought this is just how it was. So go ahead. So While I was growing up, I had a younger sister who ended up having cancer at a time when you didn't say the C word. And it was all very secretive. Yep. But I was very fascinated. One, I didn't understand why it was a secret, but two, it all interested me. So when it became time to figure out what to do, I went to the University of Illinois and somewhere in there, I knew I wanted to be a caregiver. I wanted to be a nurse. And I was too old at that time, or I wasn't old enough. But anyway, women were nurses and teachers. They were not doctors. You were right. had to be really a pioneer to do that. So it was like, I'm going to nursing school. And I loved every moment of it. Mm-hmm. I loved learning. I loved my uniform, my student nurse <laughs> uniform. I loved my grown-up uniform when I graduated. And that was what I thought would happen. I would just be a nurse. Well, it turns out it's pretty nice if you're a student nurse because you're where this, where the medical doc med students are. And I ended up meeting my husband. So he was a doctor and I was a nurse, but we still had separate lives of what we did because mm-hmm. I loved nursing and I was an ICU nurse and I was an emergency room nurse. And you were both in Chicago, weren't you at that time? Well, we were in Chicago only for education. And okay. then Uh, We were in Boston at Mass General and Beth Israel, and then we had to come down to Orlando because that was his next job. But I continued to be a nurse, even Mm -hmm. though by then I had children and I did something that no one had ever done. I, I went to the hospital where my husband was a radiologist and I said, I want to work as a nurse in your most horrible places where people get burned out. I want to do it one day a week. And I I don't have money to be philanthropist, but I could work for free as a nurse because I am incredibly well-trained. And they said, we can't do that. Well, that's so nice. I didn't even know that about your story. 
so generous yeah. of you. So eventually what they figured out was I couldn't work for free because you had to have medical malpractice insurance. Mm-hmm. They could pay me and I could sign my check over to the nursing scholarship fund. Okay. So that is, that is what I did. And it allowed me, again, I was floated all over the hospital, got to dress up in my little nurse outfit. And, <laughs> you know, I, I, everybody knew me. Mm-hmm. Well, that led me to, hey, all of healthcare is changing. I knew that because I was in it. I wasn't just an at-home mommy or a different kind of working mommy. I was in healthcare. And I thought, all of this is changing. And the only people that don't really understand that are doctors, I should open a new business. <laughs> I should open a business that does healthcare marketing to position with quality and branding and service as the three areas that I would focus on. Okay. And no one did that for doctors, but I was married to a doctor and I loved him very much. And I, I just thought he doesn't get it. But the way he was trained and everything that his group does, they're not seeing this, but I'm seeing it. Mm-hmm. So and you had like a little voice inside that was seeing it and you still loved healthcare, but you could see yourself moving in like a little bit different direction. I just thought I have to save all these doctors. I have to position them. So as these changes come in the industry, those that are my clients will be ready to continue to practice medicine and be happy instead of wham pow. They didn't see it coming. And about how many, just to give the listeners an idea about how many years ago, because you were really way before I, your time. I, oh yeah, I was, I, I was a visionary. That was in 1984. Wow. I opened Medical Marketing Inc. Mm-hmm. Now I have an unusual last name, Ellescu. So anybody that knew my husband, because we were still in that world of the male was dominant and the woman was a good, good little lady. <laughs> yes. Um, but because of that unusual last name, I think if my name had been Smith or Jones or Murphy, mm-hmm. it wouldn't have happened. When I reached out, I had this plan for getting clients. Mm-hmm. And you were uh, in our, and this is now this you're in Orlando. I started in Orlando. Okay. No one would say no because it was like, that's got to be Ed's wife. <laughs> and I just thought, that's okay. I know where I'm going. I have a purpose. You just don't know because you haven't figured it out yet. Mm-hmm. And so I was very fortunate and started out with the largest orthopedic group in Central Florida. And they had two visions to become known for sports medicine and for total joint replacement. Okay. And that was just when Orlando was starting to get football at the university and a professional football team. And no one had ever, at least not in Orlando, put together orthopedics and sports medicine. So mm-hmm. I, I didn't think that was very hard. I, I could do it. And I <laughs> did do it. So of course, of course you did. Yes. Well, I mean, it wasn't hard because there was no one to say no, no one. Hospitals used agencies, not a lot, but doctors never had someone that was positioning them to talk about quality of care service and branding them to be in the right place at the right time. So it's both, it sounds like it's both giving good healthcare, but also building a business and they can oh. be aligned without not being a do-gooder and, and trying to help. Right. Well, and the important thing for me was I knew how powerful I thought I could be. I, I had a business partner that was, uh, could do the things that 
that I didn't know how to do. I knew okay. they needed to be done. She was happy to do that. I was happy to have the vision. But the important thing was I couldn't take a doctor or a group of doctors who gave poor care because oh. then I would be positioning them to be something that they weren't. So I was very selective. I was doing this because I felt it in my heart. I mm -hmm. didn't do it to survive. I didn't do it to pay my rent. But it really got to be a lot of fun because I ended up writing four books on healthcare marketing. Wow. And I got to go on book signing tours and I continue to get royalties on those books. And really, 30 something years later, nothing's changed. It's all about quality and service and brand. Mm -hmm. so and you still, really and you still feel that way on the inside that when, you know, you're working. Yeah, I, I, I didn't know what I knew. Okay. Then I knew what I, I knew this little voice in my heart mm -hmm. that led me. I, that's why I was very mesmerized with your podcast on purpose because mm -hmm. I thought I didn't, I didn't know to put a circle around that. Mm -hmm. They did have a purpose. I was yeah. driven. I just didn't understand it. And then that single word of yours opened up like, love this. What a, what a fabulous but, but that's, I think so really, I love that you're saying that Andrew, because I think that's true for many is that they get the voice. They may not know what it is right away, but if they follow it, they're probably going to find not only their purpose, but they'll have a passion. They'll love it. It'll turn into financial uh, abundance as well, probably. So it's just the first part is listening to the voice. And even if it sounds like, I don't know, like you just did something innovative. No one had done it before. Like you said, doctors are not really known for their business prowess and how to get their care and how to get their name out who are really good, competent doctors. We all know there are plenty that are not. So that was unbelievably, as I said, ahead of your time. Right. I, I have frequently been said I'm a visionary. The other thing people have said about me, which I didn't know, but now as time has gone on, I can see it is that I am a connector. Okay. And I was very safe fiscally because I was in a strong marriage. Mm -hmm. My husband made a good living. I was doing really well with medical marketing. So when those things were out there, I said, well, you know, I have a responsibility to give back. So I you just have to interrupt. This yeah. is straight from our parents. I, I mean, it's yeah. a from, I mean, we ingrained it within ourselves. I mean, it's not a coincidence. I mean, of what you do, what I do, my brother was a doctor, my sister's a social, we all have some inner need to do something to give back. So right. that no, would be, I could hear your mother saying that, or my dad, you know, right. or my aunt, my other, the other, there was three siblings. So it was like a, it's not like they said it every minute. We just saw, we just saw. It was, yeah, it was, it was how we lived. So I decided the way I should give back is to fundraise for cancer because mm -hmm. my sister had breast cancer. My other sister who passed away had bone cancer. My mother had ovarian cancer. And I knew no matter how much money I had in the world, I mean, even if I was Jeff Bezos, I wasn't <laughs> up in space, to, right? Yeah, right. Wasn't going to have enough money to change how cancer was going to happen. I needed to bring people with me and change that so that my grandchildren would have a different path because there would be more research, more knowledge. 
So I got very active at the, one of the medical centers in Orlando, uh, fundraising and, and, and being creative for breast cancer. And lo and behold, I'm at an executive women's meeting in Sedona, Arizona. Mm-hmm. And I learn about dragon boating, which I had no idea what it was. But in Canada, they were doing pink dragon boating, which a dragon boat is a canoe on steroids. It has 20 people paddling as a team, 10 Uh seats of two each and a a coach, a steer person. And they were using it in Canada to raise money for breast cancer. And they looked at me and they said, you belong to a rowing club. You've got a thousand lakes in Orlando. Why don't you start dragon boating to raise money for cancer? I said, okay, I don't know how to do that, (laughs) but no one has done that. And maybe I could bring it to Orlando because I'm a big deal on the fundraising for yes, the Cancer Center. I'm sure at this point that you're very well known and I'm, respected. I'm yeah, well known and I do what I say and I'm a hard worker and I'm respected for that. So I pulled people together and people from the Cancer Center and people from the foundation at the hospital and said, I want to do this and I will be the hard worker. I need you to say yes, and I'm going to need some help because I'm not a machine. I have kids, and I've got a full-time job. And as life would happen, I was driving an 80-year-old ex-neighbor to a luncheon, and she said to me, so what are you doing these days? (laughs) And I said, oh, you know, whatever I told her. And she said, well, I'm not giving any money to the hospital anymore, but I'm going to give it to the arts. I want, it, I want the ballet to work, but what are you doing? So I said, well, I'm going to bring these dragon boats, but I mean, we don't have any dragon boats in Orlando. I haven't figured it out. She said, how much money do you need? Wow. I said, well, I, a lot. She <laughs> said, you don't know this, but my daughter had breast cancer, and she moved for a job from New Hampshire to California and could not get insurance coverage because of breast cancer. And you're telling me that you're going to use dragon boats to raise money for cancer. I'm going to fund your effort. Okay. I have, so to me, I just, again, I have to put my spiritual uh, doo-doo-doo-doo. This is how the universe works. When you're in alignment and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, the universe will do all kinds of crazy stuff like this, where you meet a random person and you're going to get help and support, especially if you're so committed like Andrea is about, I'm going to do the work. Oh, so, this is, I love this yeah. story. So she offered me, if I told you the amount, you'd faint, a large amount for five years, Every, that amount a year for five years, if the hospital would sign a contract that she would only give the foundation money for this project if I was in charge. And if they did anything wow. so that I left, money stopped. And it was, it was a huge amount. It, okay. was a huge it amount. sounds like huge, 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 huge. big, big huge. amount, big amount. Is Julie Roberts. I only big had amount. to take it for four years because I had to buy, dra- Dragon Boats cost $26,000. I still don't have a good vision of what one is, but I'll, I'll go look it up. Think about a canoe that usually has two people in it, sometimes three. This has 20 people. So it's a large canoe. Got it. Okay. Huge. And it's not motorized. Okay. That was my next question. The only way a dragon boat moves forward is if everybody in it that's paddling, no matter if there's 10, 12, 14, 16, 18, or 20, you must be synchronized. And when all the paddlers are synchronized, the boat lifts up in the water. And it goes fast. 
And you have a steer person in the back and you have a coach that teaches you. Mm -hmm. So I got a boat because she gave me money. I had lots of breast cancer survivors at all different levels. Some had their ports and some had finished therapy and some were Mm -hmm. terrified. They could come and for 45 minutes, these women were in a boat with a coach and they went from being cancer victims to athletes. Oh, five minutes. Love it. They were taken out of that element. They did not know the other people, but they were connected to the other people because they all were somewhere on the cancer spectrum. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm watching this. I don't know what I'm doing. The <laughs> line is I'm hiring coaches that know how to do. I had no idea what I was doing, but I knew I was supposed to be doing it. And it just kept unfolding. There were no big problems. I belonged to the rowing club, so I had a place to put this boat. Mm -hmm. Well, at that time, I'm watching the news and I'm seeing police officers killing young black males. Uh, At that time and unfortunately at this time as well, but I digress. Right, right. But it was, and then in Orlando, we had the murder of Trayvon Martin by a white man who didn't get, I mean, he got off scot-free. And I'm saying to myself, you know, I don't know why I did the breast cancer people, but they're just doing their own thing now. I mean, they're, they're solid. They're on their way. Yeah. They don't, they don't really need me. They needed what I had and now go, I birthed it, go. And I'm thinking, <laughs> but the interesting thing of all these people in a boat who for 45 minutes with coaching, something changed mm-hmm. and they were empowered. I wonder what would happen if I put police officers in Orlando. I didn't know any. I was going to say, it's not like you were in in any way, shape or form involved with, you know, police or or poverty or anything. Go ahead. I didn't. and, And inner city kids who I didn't know either. But what would happen? Because I saw it with cancer people. If they got in a dragon boat and they became a team what would happen? Could we change the tensions that go on? Mm -hmm. So I called the chief of police who happened to be a woman. Her name is Val Deming. She's now Congressman Val Deming. Oh, I I know her name. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Against Marco Rubio. I called her up. I knew her peripherally because of business. I mean, because of being a corporate woman and and she was the first female chief of police and the first African-American chief Mm -hmm. of police. I love her. Yep. And I said, have you heard about dragon boating? She said, absolutely, Andrea, we all have in Orlando. (laughs) And I said, well, I would like to do this with cops and inner city kids. Mm -hmm. And she said, and I told her my vision and she said, let me think about it. Well, I didn't think she should take so long to think about it. I thought she'd give me the school resource officers. That was easy. She called me back two weeks later and she said, we're going to do this. I'm going to give you 10 SWAT officers. And it was like, oh my gosh, which actually was tremendously visionary because SWAT officers know how to communicate, know how to help each other, know how to protect each other, know how to listen Mm -hmm. to commands in order to be safe. So it was like, I didn't have to bring them along. They just had to learn the sport. I said, well, I have one problem. I don't know any inner city kids. She said, no, I'm going to handle that. I'm going to give you 
kids that the police have identified as quote invisible kids. Okay. So they're not brainiacs and they're not athletes. They're not the football stars. They're on the edge. Okay. And we don't want them to go bad way. We want them right. to go good way. And so we're going to put them with the SWAT cops, which has never happened ever. Unbelievable. So I said, okay. <laughs> and then uh, she assigned me her chief of staff, who was a young man named John Mina, who then became ultimately chief of police. And now he is the sheriff of our county. Oh. But he, I mean, this is again, purpose. I didn't know why, why these people. <laughs> and, you know, he was tasked with make this happen. Mm -hmm. But so, the universe was providing, you were the conduit, another great, just like, I love it. Yeah. So then, I mean, when he got promoted to chief, there was a chief in between Val Demings and, and Chief Mina, but he knew the program mm -hmm. and he opened doors and, you know, the, the, the next year she retired and the next chief said, Andrea, we're realizing this is almost anti-gang. These are kids that need to belong to something. You're putting their names on their shirts. You're giving them a shirt that says Dueling Dragons. The kids had named the team the year mm -hmm. before. We need to get them younger than 16. Would you go down to middle school? I said, sure. <laughs> I thought, how am I going to do this? I don't even know. I don't know what I'm doing, but I know I'm supposed to do it. And I had one police officer who basically was a, a, a coach all his life with his own son. Mm -hmm. And he said, I'll help you do this. Why are you stressing over the stuff you don't know how to do? You're making it happen. Mm -hmm. You've got the vision. Yeah. You are the connector. You just don't know how to do anything. <laughs> It was a well, true. You gotta I do some things, but I hear what I they're didn't saying. Know yeah. How to do the details of making, yeah. I just, you know. But that's so, part of also to me being honest with our purpose. We know what we can do and what we can't do. And then we get we get help. And that's I mean, one of the best things I've learned from this is that it doesn't make me any weaker to right. ask for help. Mm -mm. Instead, when I say I need to do this, but I don't know how, somebody will say, I could do that for you. Right. And, and I People say, want to oh, help. People want to help. Yeah. So we have just celebrated our 10th anniversary of Dueling. We are in the 10th year of Dueling Dragons. We are completely funded by donations. I don't belong mm -hmm. to the city of Orlando. I mean, I do, but, but I'm not city of Orlando. I'm a program that happens in Orlando. So they, I, I'm on a city lake, I'm in mm -hmm. Parks and Rec. Uh, the city of Orlando through their Parks and Rec centers, which are usually in compromised communities, mm -hmm. help me find the, the kids to paddle. Amazing. They give me an employee that is a mentor that comes with and learns to paddle. Great. It ends up being health and wellness team and breaking down the barriers, the kids break down the barriers. Because when the children arrive, they always say, I don't know why I'm here because all cops are bad. And I'll say, oh, well, young man, that's interesting you say that because see that officer over there? He just said he doesn't know why he's here because all black kids are bad. And then the kid will say, wait, I'm not bad. <laughs> well, maybe he's not bad, but we have to get to know each other. Exactly. And it's very intimidating at the very beginning because the kids are transported by buses from their rec center, recreation centers. 
the cops all come in squad cars. If you look at the parking lot, you go, oh my God, there's squad cars everywhere. And the cops come in, they've got their guns and their mace and their vests and their handcuffs. And they go in the men's room at the center, at the lake. And then they come out in shorts and a t-shirt and they put all of that scary stuff, that power stuff in the trunk of their car. And they say, you know, hello, the, I'm John. Where do I go? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah. And they're put in those boats with these kids and then they have to help each other paddle. Cause if you try to be a superstar, it doesn't work. You got to be synchronized. You got to mm-hmm. give up power. You, you know, and to be honest, some of these kids are way stronger and more fit than some of the cops. <laughs> I'm but sure. Yeah. You know, and they're little and we're the only team in the country that has grownups and youth. On is this something team. So now is there like competitions? Besides- we, we go to competitions. We just went to Sarasota, Florida, where we took a gold medal and two silver medals. Congratulations. Wonderful. We will be going to Reno, Nevada, August 19th to the 22nd for a festival that's on August the 21st. That event costs us, that, that event has a budget of about $74,000. Oh, wow. Because I've got 55 cops and kids and um, chaperones going. Airplane tickets are $490. Wow. Hotel room. Because we come from Florida, we have to go a day earlier to get mm-hmm. acclimated so that sure. nobody gets sick. But that allows us to t- set up tours. Mm-hmm. So this time while we're out west in Reno, which, you know, most of the kids that I work with, their families do not have a car. They've never been to Disney World. They've never been to the beach. Oh, even, even though they live in Orlando, they've never been to Disney World. Because they just no don't car. have the money and no car. No, they don't have a, yeah, they, they, both, both of that. So I, so when we go to Reno this time, one, we are going to tour the campus of the University of uh, Nevada. Now cool. that they've never done, mm-hmm. I mean, they're going to see it. It's a good, they got a good basketball team. They'll like it. <laughs> um, and we're going to go to Lake Tahoe and we're going to see petroglyphs and we're going to go to a silver mine. And we are going to do things that enhance who they are, but it wouldn't happen if they were not on this dragon boat right. team. And it wouldn't happen uh, if they didn't want to do something with cops. And what happens when you're together for three days, you're on a long airplane ride Mm -hmm. on buses and you're competing, all the barriers break down. You're Mm -hmm. just teammates. Love it. That then goes back to families and back to friends. For the cops, it goes back to their squads about, don't hassle that kid. He's just a teenager versus He's probably shooting him. Yeah. Yeah, Probably got a weapon. Watch out. And for the kids, many of whom live in matriarchal societies because brothers, fathers, whatever, Uh aren't around or they're in jail or they're deceased or whatever. They go home and they say to their grandmothers or their guardians, all cops aren't bad. My dragon boat cop is good. Oh, I'm like teary. That's so nice. Well, I'm excited because Kiwanis has been fantastic to oh, us. Okay. And I have an alumni who, I, a wonderful young lady, and she was very excited. She graduated in 2019. So 2020, she got two scholarships. She, went, she got accepted to a college where she was on volleyball and basketball. Mm-hmm. And it was completely full ride for her. 
And she was the first one to go to college. So excited. And then COVID happened. Oh. I lost track of her. And I, she called me not too long ago. And I said, hey, how are you doing? She said, awful. Mm. I, my school closed down. I lost those scholarships. I've been working three jobs. Mm. And I don't know how I'm going to do this. But I always wanted to be a neonatal nurse. Oh. Now I don't know what will happen to me. I said, just hold tight. <laughs> and I called Kiwanis and I said, you guys always give a scholarship. When is it up? They said, oh, it's due in 10 days. I said, I have somebody to nominate. And mm-hmm. lo and behold, because again, because our program has yeah. been so strong in changing relationships, she ended up getting this one-year full scholarship, which she will be able to go to college at no expense. Wonderful. So and, you were her like angel from the universe. Wonderful. Yeah, well, her connector. I mean, it's like mm-hmm. she, she had to do all the right things. You just have to have somebody that opens a door. Right. And you have to be willing to walk through, which you have uh, done yeah. over and over. Yeah. So you've had like a variety of purposes, all being to do with, you know, helping, etc. So right now, as far as your, your main focus is still the dueling. I mean, I know you have a family, etc. But would you say you're still very much involved with the dueling dragons? Or yeah, is there something else going on in uh, the Andrea life? What's uh... no, no, I still do medical marketing. But I have people that I have artists and I have writers. And uh-huh. so I'm really, it's more my head. In the old days, I had to do the work. Now Mm -hmm. I oversee other people that do the work. And I have become so mesmerized with Dueling Dragons. I don't spend a lot of time on the public circuit like I used to, Mm -hmm. talking at conferences. Uh, Plus, healthcare has changed so much, you said earlier. Yeah, but with all of the purchased practices, They are not about service and they are not about communication and they are not about branding. Unfortunately, I see it as the hospital's brick and mortar, which isn't important branding, not the neighborhood doctor. And where I excel is in community-based medicine. Uh-huh. So some of it is a little off for what I do, mm-hmm. but I think uh, the federal government is going to look at all of these acquisitions, the lack of competition mm-hmm. and in the not-for-profit hospital environment, mm-hmm. who's, if you're buying all these hospitals, but you don't pay taxes, what is really going on? I think we're going to start to see some of that. Fingers and, crossed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so medical marketing is okay, but I'm not as passionate about mm-hmm. it because I don't I don't enjoy where it's at right now. And that's another thing to know that, that if, you know, you've had one purpose in your life and that, and for whatever reason, time, age, whatever, uh, you'd feel like, you know what, that's not it. And just open yourself. It's okay to say goodbye to that or put it in a different place and leave yourself open to what's the next, again, door that I might walk through. It's, there's nothing wrong with that. You can have, that's why I feel you can have multiple purposes in your life. And when you do something else new, you may not have as much time to do the other. And that's okay, too, or desire. Right. So with, with healthcare, I see it as kind of a Rubik's cube. I am not doing the work right now that pays me. I mean, I am, but I'm not going after a lot of new clients as I once did. Right. But because I know people, because I'm national and the work I do has been in states across the country, I have lots of contacts. And so the Rubik's cube is... Uh, people that were 
40 are now 60. They're hitting right. healthcare crisis. Yes. And at least twice a week, I'm getting a call that says, oh my gosh, my grandchild, my husband, myself, my sister, mm-hmm. I don't know where to go. I can't get anybody to answer the phone. I don't mm-hmm. know. Oh, so, agri- so frustrating. And I'll say, okay, let me help you because I can. Mm-hmm. And so I find myself, I could make it a full-time job facilitating healthcare appointments. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do that as a, I don't want to. At this do stage it, of your life. Right. I get well, it. I do it for people I care about. I understand. But, but the healthcare system is so disappointing. It's like, yeah, I'll help you get an appointment. I'll direct you the way I think you might need to be thinking about it, but then you're on your own. Yeah. With dueling dragons, I get a surprise almost every week. Oh. Like three weeks ago, I got a, five weeks ago, I got a call. Andrea, this is the FBI. It's like, really? Why, <laughs> why are you calling me? Am I in trouble? This is the FBI NAA. So this is the organization of the FBI that trains the top cops across all 50 states and four countries in Europe to, it's like getting a master's degree in being the the top cop. Okay. They're not selling, well, at a trade show they do, but they're not telling them about body cameras. They're not, they're teaching them how do I use our resources when tragedies happen, like in Orlando in Pulse. Right. If you had somebody go in and, and kill 49 people, um, uh, how, how do you get the bad guy and what do you do? And what about mm-hmm. the mental health of your officers? They're getting, it's a 10-week program that the top mm. cops and these Israelis and three other countries go to. And so every time they have an annual meeting, which they do once a year, they go to a different city. This is, they said, we are going to be in Orlando and we like to do things with youth. We are going to give you, we, you are going to get our legacy award. We are going to. Oh, so how beautiful again, congratulations. Wonderful. Yeah. So money, I completely knew money that goes to my $74,000, but the day they picked was the day we were in Sarasota and it was like, how am I going to get this money? And then I thought, I have alumni and I can count on them. So I called mm-hmm. two of our young African-American males that are in college, but they're home because it's summer. And I said, I need you to represent Dueling Dragons to the FBI. I need you to go to this luncheon and they're going to call you up and you're going to accept an oversized check for $1,500. And you're going to you know, I, it's pretty scripted. I don't know if you'll get to talk, but you certainly can talk at your table. Mm-hmm. And I said they would like you to wear a dueling dragon shirt and either khaki or black slacks. And, you know, these were little kids. Yeah. When they started. They're now, you know, they're, yeah. they're college. Old. Yeah. Wonderful. So they did it and you were they okay delegating. I, I thought that was one of the greatest. Yeah. Because one, love I love the new money. Yeah. But I loved even better that I can call on these young black men Great. and stand up there and say, but for this program, I might not be where I am. Yeah. Isn't that and wonderful? How gratifying is that? So, it, well, that's why this is a lot more fun than healthcare. Yeah, I would imagine. <laughs> and then I wanted a legacy for dueling dragons. I mean, you know, I could get hit by a car tomorrow. What's going to happen? Who's going to remember? I need a legacy. And our city of Orlando is doing a lot of public art. Okay. 
And so I thought, you know, we should have a mural. We should be public mm. art. Okay. And I, I was able to get the paint donated and the wall and the artist. And so we now have a wall off one of the main thoroughfares that has a cop and a kid and a deputy and a kid paddling with the dragon boat head. And Beautiful. it's fabulous. Fabulous. Well, here's what I know. If I want something done in case I can't do it myself, I'm calling my cousin Andrea to get that done because you're like a, amazing. So I, with all this, you know, if you were going to, you know, say to someone who's listening to you and, and thinking like you are like an unbelievable powerhouse, which you are, but with all this, there still was always a thread of some little something inside of you that was like kind of urging you on. Do you, I mean, how did you listen to it? Like if someone was listening and thinking, well, I sort of have that little feeling, but I'm not sure what, to, like, what would you say to someone like how to pursue their, that feeling, that, that idea that. I would say you need to listen to that inner voice mm-hmm. and try the step. The worst that can happen is you fall down. So you stand back up. Exactly. If you ask the, I mean, one of the things I've learned, if you know, you want something and you just say it out loud, you say it to the universe Mm-hmm. somehow that starts, things will happen. And, and it's not just greedy things. It's not like, I want to want- find a purse with a million dollars. Right. No, okay. No, that doesn't work. No, I mean, no. it could work, but I want to win the lottery. Well, so do I. But if it's like, I always wanted to do something with the senior center. I right. always wanted to write a book. I mm-hmm. always wanted to learn how to do spreadsheets say to somebody, I want to learn how to do a spreadsheet. And I, you know, I was a nurse. I didn't have to do it. They'll be, I'll show you. I mean, it's right there. You must right. ask for it. Okay. So that's another important thing. So it's like, you know, when, uh, cause I've written a couple of books as well. I can meditate that, Oh, I see myself as a published author, but if you're not going to sit down and write the book, nothing's going to happen. Once you write it or as you're writing it to me, using that as an example, then start putting your feelers out. Who's a publisher? Am I going to self-publish? Who's going to edit it for me? And you'd be surprised because I had this myself, my own personal experience with this, that all of a sudden I'm at wherever I'm at and someone says, oh yeah, I know an editor or I know. And it wasn't like I was even asking at that exact moment. I might've just said, yeah, I'm working on a book and I don't really have an editor. And they go, well, that's okay. I've got one. And it's somebody that I would have never in a million years found. So if you're on the right path and they're I believe if there's some service involved, it will happen. So when you say I want a million dollars and just because I want to buy a new boat, I'm not saying that that couldn't happen, but if the boat's going to be used for dueling dragons, you've got a higher likelihood that it's going to happen. So there, I feel that it, it can't just be wishful thinking though. I have no, no problem with that whatsoever. We can all have wishes and dreams. I, I support that. But if there's an element of service and you know, you're doing something good for your, for the, not just yourself, but for the community and the world, it will happen if you put your energy in that direction. And, and you said something very important because sometimes you just have to say it out loud. Right. Exactly. I needed the city of Orlando. Yes. I needed help. I mean, how was I going to, I didn't know kids. I didn't have transportation. Right. Right. When I said, I'll do the heavy lifting in this area, but do you think you could help me? They said, yeah, we could arrange a van. You yeah. just had to ask for it. Right. So if I so, hadn't asked, it wouldn't have happened. Right. Right. So that's the, so the first step always is to hear your little voice. And then as Andrea is saying in her story of many, many different things of service that she's done, 
each time from what I'm hearing, you asked, you followed your passion. And then if there was a stumbling block, you went, all right, well, I'm not exactly sure. I know what to do next, but I'm going to ask and then, and then match that with hard work. So that's fabulous. I love that. You're amazing. You've done amazing stuff. And I have a feeling you're not done, which I also love because, you know, sometimes people think, well, when you're in your seventies or whatever, and by the way, Andrew's drop dead gorgeous. I'm just saying that I'm not just saying it because she's my cousin. She is, she's beautiful that we, that's just a sidebar. She's, you know, beautiful on the inside, which is more important. It's our gene pool. It it is our gene. We're, we're not unhappy that we got blessed with that, but uh, more importantly, we have to have good hearts and a, you know, and a, a, a commitment to help not just ourselves, as I said, but people that we love and the community and the world. So when that happens, then we're doing our purpose. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story and your time with us. I really appreciate it. I'm going to close with my quote. Here it is. It goes, when you dance, your purpose is not to get to a certain place on the floor. It's to enjoy each step along the way, especially if it's with service. So it kind of goes with what we're saying by Wayne, Wayne Dyer. So you, you do the dance, you know, in quotes, because the dance is that you do your life and then your purpose will unfold as yours has. And great story. Thank you so much. Good seeing you and thank chatting you with you. Thank you for having me. And thank you for doing a podcast, which without you, we wouldn't get these stories. Told. Oh, I, you're welcome. And it's again, totally my pleasure. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Great story. Love it. You did a great job. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So until next time, this is Janice Alpert with On Purpose, hoping you're doing your life with purpose and on purpose. Till next time. Bye-bye.